0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Kim Ritberg. She is the host of the Mom's Exit Interview podcast, and her show focuses on millions of moms that ditched their nine-to-five, sharing their stories of moms who quit the corporate world, plus well-known experts with tips to help listeners Forge their own paths. And that's what we talk about in this conversation. We talk about Kim's experience in and of herself in her career and the transitions she made to upgrade herself in her own career, as well as then balancing life as a mother and moving into other territories. And then we dig deep into some of the tips and tricks and things she's learned from her guests so far. She's just getting started. It's a great show. Even if you're not a mom, you're going to find some tidbits, some nuggets in here that are going to help you out. If you're a father, if you're a co-parent, if you're someone that has a greater desire for your career to go somewhere greater than it is right now and have work-life balance and flexibility and the reward from all of that rolled into one in your life, this episode is for you. Well, this week is my privilege to welcome to the show, Kim Ritberg. Kim, welcome to Beyond the To-Do List.
1: Thank you so much for having me and for saying my last name right. Hey, I try. I didn't even have to ask you.
0: (laughs) Often, I will ask because I want to be proactive and make sure I've got it right. Sometimes I don't even have to question it, and this is one of those times. So it surprises me, actually, that you've heard people say it wrong. I don't know what they would say instead.
1: Yeah, they always add an extra syllable. So I already liked you, but I, I like you double now because you said my name right, and I'm super excited to be here.
0: <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, I'm excited because, one, I know we've got a, a symbiosis with the podcast industry. You're also a podcaster, and you've produced them in the past, but now you're doing your own show, which is great. It's called Mom's Exit Interview. And honestly, I want to talk all about that. But first, I want to know, you know some of the background for you. Let's paint the picture. Let's set some context in terms of, Why this show and why now? So, what was your steps? What was your career like up till this point?
1: So, pretty much I feel like I have things in common with so many other people across the country. You know, you go to a school, you study something, you sort of like find your way, you're not really sure what you're doing. So I studied communication in college because someone in college was like, You'll get a job if you study that. I said, Great. But I always knew I like to sort of be at the center of the action and I'm very extroverted. So TV felt like a good fit. So I started working in television as a booker where you call people and say, do you want to be on TV? And they usually hang up. So I worked at Inside Edition for a few years. And then I was a news producer for another like five years. So the first 10 years of my career, I was a news writer and producer. And that was incredible. I mean, getting to work under deadline, going on inaugurations, like getting to produce interviews with sort of celebrities on red carpets, but then also international leaders it was really like a very great learning experience i just felt lucky i was like this is a great career good for me and then i you know had a couple of pivots within my career even though it was going well i realized i'm not really a news junkie at heart so i wanted to stay in content but i wanted to escape from news i'm like if at my heart of hearts i'm not a news junkie and i've already been in here for nine years i got to pivot out before i'm too late so I worked in long form TV for a little while, producing things like The Fabulous Life of Justin Bieber, a little bit of true crime and um some travel shows. So like hour long lifestyle shows and digital was coming and I really I smelled it. I was like, oh, this is exciting. You're always going to be learning. I love things where I'm challenged and I'm getting to learn. I could see that digital was going to be this huge thing and I didn't want to be too late. So I went to Us Weekly and I like knocked on the door of the editor-in-chief and I was like, I'm going to build you a video unit. You have this great brand and wonderful IP, but you're not doing video and I'm going to build you a video unit. And you know, I think he was intrigued. They weren't ready to hire me yet. So they hired someone else. I didn't get the job. But a year later, they called me back and they were more serious about building it. So I went in there and I got the job. I was five months pregnant and about to go on maternity leave in about four months. I was very honest with them before I started. I started that company. I had two people working for me. When a maternity leave came back, we scaled from three people to 18 people. It was honestly like, no matter what career you're in, there's that moment where you think, oh, this is really going well. Like, I mean, the opportunity to build a business within a business and hire your people who and everyone's really invested and there's a lot of creativity and there's a lot of change. Like, just digital, that's a lot of change always. And it's kind of exciting. So anyway, I did that for about almost three years. And so I was the head of video at Us Weekly and everything was going amazing. I pregnant with my second child and then we were bought. <laughs> it was just this like, I'm in the hospital room with my my second baby waiting to deliver my second child. And I'm like on my phone looking at resumes because all these people were quitting because a lot of unrest, a lot of executives were fired. I wasn't fired. My unit wasn't fired. but all these people were quitting and I'm in the hospital bed reviewing resumes saying, okay, if this person, if if Johnny doesn't take the job, offer it to Susan. And if this person doesn't take it, offer it to this person. And I just, I just had this moment. I'm like, this is not what I want my life to be. I have no control. I've worked so hard. I actually was successful. Like it's been 15 years and I finally made it and this is my reward. And it was such an aha moment. And that was the moment where I just knew I want to work for myself. And so, that's like the beginning of this path to mom's exit interview podcast, but a hundred percent, that was my career epiphany where a lot of the things I was doing, I enjoyed and a lot of the experiences I had and career experience I had, but I need to make life work for me in a different way.
0: There's a lot of different pieces in there, ups and downs. The first one that jumps out at me is the fact that you weren't a news junkie, but you stuck with that. You stayed in that for what, nine years? Like That right there is a lesson in and of itself, regardless of anything else we say rest of this conversation. It's like sticking with something that you are excelling in, it scratches some of the itches, but not all of them and not even some of maybe the most important ones. And you finally realize that nine years in and decide to pivot, right?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I think that one of the things is no matter whether you love a job or don't love a job, there's all of these skills you're amassing. And there can be great aspects to it because like I first started working in a news magazine, some of it's news and some of it's like red carpet interviewing. And I was good at both of them because I'm very extroverted. I really like to get to know people quickly and I, I like to write and oversee and edit, you know, but I think that within news, I was doing well, but I also enjoyed aspects of it. I enjoyed the the aspect of being at the center of something, but I didn't have that killer instinct of like, you need to get the guest. We have to be first in getting the story. I was like, Oh, I like to tell the story. I like to learn. Like, I felt like I was getting paid to learn something new every single day, process it in your brain, and then spit it out in sound bites and on screen graphics. Like, any job where you're just learning every single day is a great job. So, I think that while well, I wasn't a news junkie and I knew, oh, I don't hope to be an executive producer of news in five to 10 years, I realized that. So, I got out soon enough. But yeah, looking back, I probably shouldn't have been in news for nine years. But I did really enjoy it. And I do think I realized that I could work under pressure. I realized I could be in a control room where there's someone sitting in a chair and then the next person who's supposed to be in that chair going live in five minutes isn't there. What do you do? How do you solve that? You can't have dead TV air. So just the idea of like sharpening those skills, the writing skills, the deadline skills, the communication skills. So, yes. I think that um, in an alternate universe, I probably would have left news a little earlier. But I did love—I really, truly have loved every work experience I've had and gained a lot.
0: Well, that's the other thing is, as I'm hearing you talk about that, it, it even kind of foreshadows your next major kind of pivot, where again there are aspects to it where suddenly you realize, wait, I don't like these certain things that are part of that, but I know the other pieces. Like it's which pieces, so so I don't fault you at all for staying in the news realm for nine years because. For you, it really wasn't necessarily about news per se. That gradually became more and more of maybe a thing where it's like, oh, I don't know if I can immerse myself in news constantly, but it was the process of the stories and the gathering and the collecting and the creating. In other words, it was all those skills. And that I think is kind of the warning here is, again, I I think I said it earlier, it scratches certain things, certain itches, but it's like, it's not scratching maybe the most important ones. So having awareness of which those are, which is what came around second time. You're sitting there on the phone looking at resumes and it's like, wait, again, this is not an itch I should be scratching whatsoever. Somebody else should.
1: Yeah, totally. And the thing about news, though, is now that we're all in the world of digital and social media, my news skills, are you kidding me? It helps clients so oh, much. Yeah. Like now I run a, a video strategy business. Like I do on-camera coaching and video strategy for companies and professionals. I can tell a story in six seconds, 30 seconds, 60 seconds or an hour. Like those skills are so valuable. And the truth is everything is so short form on TikTok and and Instagram and wherever. But when you're in news, some of your stories are 15 seconds, 30 seconds, 90 seconds. So it's not the first time we've been storytelling in short form ways. So I think that just the realization that it's all storytelling. And then if you're getting the opportunity to learn how to tell stories in different mediums, that's awesome.
0: Dot com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: If you enjoy Beyond the To-Do List, I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans. I'm Sarah Hart Unger, the host of Best Laid Plans, a podcast devoted to all things planning and planning adjacent. I talk about everything from paper planner reviews to deep dives into all things productivity from keeping track of goals and tasks to fitting in your true priorities and reducing the stress around planning and organizing across different areas of life. I am a practicing physician and mother of three, so I have a lot going on in my own life and am intimately familiar with the time constraints that impact us all. And I love sharing my own productivity strategies and learning from others who have their own ideas to share. I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans, available on all podcast platforms, or visit my website, theshoebox.com, T H E S H U B O X dot com to learn more So
0: speaking of storytelling, obviously your story does not end there with that revelation of I'm looking at resumes why? What was that point in time? Just trying to put in context like 2019 is obviously the last year prior to pandemic. The podcast is new as of a few weeks ago, about a month and a half ago now of this recording. But at what point was it that you were sitting there having your second child and having these realizations?
1: So I love to say, and then I knew I wanted to work for myself and I launched my business and now I'm a multimillionaire. <laughs> but that's not life. <laughs> that is not real life. So I had that epiphany in like fall of 2017, right? Knew okay. I wanted to work for myself. Still had that, not even self-doubt, but just that question of now what? I want to start my business. Well, what is my business? What am I offering to people? Who are my clients? And, you know, I had a new baby. So that was the birth of my second child. I didn't go back to Us Weekly. I left after that maternity leave where we had a new ownership. But I did get some interesting offers and I took another job, full-time job. It was short-lived, branded content job. And then I knew I wanted to work for myself. A hundred percent clear on that. I'm on LinkedIn and Netflix recruiter writes to me. And I was like, I really know I don't want work full-time. And Netflix is really known to have a very intense culture. And I'm in New York and they're California-based company. Yeah. I'm like, I know I really don't want another full-time job, but are like, uh, this is going to be a really good experience. I'm going to learn a lot. It's really good on my resume. But at that point, my kids were three and one. You know, my husband's working also and he's traveling for his job. So it was tricky. I, I did. I took the job knowing that I wanted to work myself. I worked there at Netflix for about a year. I did some of the best work of my life. I got to direct Tina Fey. I got to direct Paul Rudd. I got to work on really huge, huge budget marketing projects. But I knew for myself, like, this is my last full-time job. And as soon as I left, it was right before the pandemic. I think, oh, serendipitously, right yeah. before the pandemic is when I started my own company. Wow.
0: Wow. I'm glad for you. I'm glad for you. By the way, I want to point out, a lot of people would be listening in and saying, wait a second, all these different things that you've done, like- You have no reason to complain, and you're not. But what I'm saying is is you're moving from place to place in terms of greater awareness and leaning in on your strengths and what it is you want to do and questioning that and merging skill set with calling or whatever kind of word you want to fill in there for various reasons.
1: And I think what you're saying is so right and smart because so many of us, though, we're not necessarily like in a trauma-based situation at work. And it's not that we wake up and say, oh, I can't go in every morning. I, I hate this. Like, I definitely didn't have that. I am very optimistic and positive and appreciative of my jobs. I mean, I had a couple where I was like, oh boy, I need an exit plan. <laughs> you know, Everyone hates each other. Everyone's fighting. Like, someone's throwing phones. Like, I've had job situations like that. But yes, I think that's a really good point that I had a good career, but I'm not going to go into details of the negative things of each job. But there is also that realization of, you can have good jobs and you can amass skills, but if they're not really on like the deeper level serving what you're looking for in life, it's perfectly okay to say, what can serve me better? Because I've never like complained and been like, oh, I hated my career. No, I loved my career. I loved a lot of the things I'm doing. I had a lot of great bosses and a lot of great colleagues, but I do think there's that point in your life and you say, can I optimize this for the life I have now? And part of my process was, I realized, Part of what I loved was the identity of being this media executive with a fancy Netflix title on my card or the boss woman of Us Weekly and all these people respecting me. And as I started to dig deeper, and I think that happened when I had kids because I just had different priorities. When I was in my 20s, I would work every single job, every single weekend. I never cared. I love just doing and going and hustling. I had a side business, the jewelry business that I was very invested in. I love working hard, but I had kids and I really started to sit with myself and say, is this how I want my life to be? Digital media also, I didn't necessarily say that earlier, but digital media is so volatile. Mm. It's always being bought. The fact that my company was acquired was nothing new. I had seen colleagues that any company would die to hire, get laid off once or twice. I'm like, that person's getting laid off in this industry? Are you kidding me? If that person was an accountant, they'd be president of their company. So I just think it's, it's that realization though that it's not that I, I dislike the industry or anything. I loved what I had been doing, but I want more control. You don't really have control in digital media. You just don't. And so I've realized if there's a way that I can make working for myself work financially, flexibility-wise, and be fulfilled, I want to try that. I want to see if I can make that happen. But I think you're you're raising a really good point of You can have a good job and you can have a good career, but if it's not serving you, that's okay. You're allowed to look at yourself and make a list. What do I love about this? What do I not love about this? And for many people, even though the podcast is called Mom's Exit Interview, for many people, I say, you should not quit your job. You have a good job. You have benefits. It pays you well. People are respecting you and you like the work. You should not quit that job.
0: You should maybe think about putting more in the savings account and eventually deciding You know, what you really want to do if you're questioning it right now. But at the same time, yes, it's, and we're not saying, you know, don't take an opportunity that comes along just because there's some fake sense of loyalty. Because, you know, as we've come to learn, like most companies, they don't have loyalty to you when it comes down to it. You're a layoff number. So,
1: absolutely. And working into digital and seeing so many peers of mine, and, you know, just it's not personal. And I don't think you need to have loyalty because they're not going to have loyalty to you. So, I think at the end of the day, do a good job, work really hard, but do it in the way you want to do it. And I think the the epiphany for me was that I wanted control over my career and I wanted control over my time because a lot of these jobs that I love, there were a lot of hours. And when you say nine to five, nine to five is 40 hours. I don't know anyone who works 40 hours. It's nine to seven, nine to eight. It's your phone on the weekends going off. So I think it's a lot of those things that I just said, I want to just take back control. And some of it I also realized was I felt that I was having a hard time disconnecting myself from things happening at the office until like Saturday morning. And I've really thought about that. I think, oh my God, I love my kids. I love my career, but I really love my kids. And I'm stealing my own happiness and their own happiness by not being present with them. And that's on me. That's not on the job. It's on me to figure out ways to unplug and be present with them. But I've just been looking for a different way, and I feel like I've been on a process, on a journey to get where I want to go. And I think the last two and a half years of running my own business has been unbelievable, and I'm really, really happy and so glad that I did it.
0: Yeah, they say 9 to 5, but they don't say which 9 or which 5, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. and then back on again at 9 a.m. to 5 (laughs) p.m.
0: Well, it sounds like you were just basically ahead of the curve of a lot of other people who then had this specific point in time forced on them in 2020 till through to even now, 2022. I mean, the air quotes, great resignation or whatever you're referring to it as in 2021 really kind of stemmed out of that. We've had a lot of time that we've, again, been forced to sit with ourselves and honestly, mostly oscillate between either super deep thoughts, introspective, and then switch to, oh my gosh, I've got to consume something, do something to take my mind off it and going back and forth.
1: Definitely. And I think that the pandemic, I started reading all these articles about millions of moms leaving the workforce because I think the pandemic, you know, when ever have millions of parents had to homeschool and work at the same time? That's never happened before. Hopefully it will never happen again. But I think all of these things were bubbling to the surface. But many of those people might not come back in a traditional way to nine to five. And I think that's fine if they're going to find more satisfying and more fulfilling ways to work. Great. No problem. That's cool. But I think that I'd been seeing all of these articles coming out and I'd been like, these are the things that I've been thinking about for so long. Like, I think a lot of workplaces really aren't serving working parents in a way that's healthy and balanced. And it's very hard if you're a solo parent, please. But for two working parents also, you're both working really intensely and school hours don't line up with work hours and childcare. There's no childcare credits. Maternity leave is not really paid for. Like all of these things It's a perfect storm that when a pandemic happens, people were at their breaking point. So I think I'd been feeling that not in a, oh my God, I can't do this any type of way. I had just been thinking about it on a longer schedule, I guess, like I had had more years to think about it. So I really had clarity before the pandemic. I knew, I'm like, I'm 100% not going to work full-time for a company. I'm gonna do this myself. I'm gonna make it work. No matter what I have to do, I'm just gonna figure out a way. But yeah, I agree with you. I think that now more people are seeing this and I'm having people come to me and being like, how do I do this? Do you have tips? Do you have tricks? I'm like, I do. I have a podcast called Mom's Exit Interview.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I assume then again, because you were ahead of the curve. And then when you started to see this kind of manifest in the culture, all these thoughts that you were already thinking about, in other words, you were further along the journey than others. So you could turn back and guide. I'm assuming that's what kind of catalyzed, you know what, let's make a show. It's perfect timing.
1: Yeah. So when I started decided I was going to work for myself, I started walking around like my neighborhood, just sort of talking to people and like letting them know what I was doing. And the world was broken into two camps. There was one camp of people who thought I was unemployed and just kept sending me job listings. I'm like, nope, I'm working for myself by choice. You can feel free to send me clients, but I'm not interested in jobs. And then the other group were moms in my neighborhood and they would look at me after school drop-off. They'd be like, are you making any money? Is it Really working? Is it a real business or a fake business? And they were really intrigued. So I realized I was onto something. And then the more I started digging in, truly digging in, I actually realized I knew all of these people and moms in particular who were doing things that were very interesting, kind of under the radar. A three day a week solar power executive, a founder of a fashion company that's doing well, but she's keeping it small. She works maybe three to four days a week, but it's a real company. It's not like you know she's not just like selling her stuff on the street, making a little bit. Real company. 3 day week psychologist, another three- or four-day-a-week banker. They exist, but it's very under the radar. And I started realizing, "Mm, there's actually all these different ways that these moms are finding flexibility and fulfillment. But I don't feel like people know that because I didn't know that when I left my job. I thought like, oh, you start this business. And then if you try to make it big, you get like venture capital money. That's not what I'm doing. That's not at all what I'm doing. So of all the people I've been meeting and talking to for the podcast, it's like there's consultants, there's entrepreneurs, there's part-time entrepreneurs, people working 25 to 35 hours a week. There are stay-at-home moms with side hustles. Just there's like this whole gamut between being fully staying at home with your kids and being fully grinding on a corporate ladder, trying to climb that ladder. And to me... I felt like this is something that people need to be hearing about because maybe it works for them. Maybe this is what they're looking for. So how I decided to structure the show is pretty much what I wished I had had when I started. Cause when I first left, I started working for myself. I had no idea what that meant. I'm totally an extrovert and I don't have colleagues and I don't have like, you know, people who bring cookies to the office or grapes or whatever. And I don't have happy hours. So I realized, okay, I need to like build that, that network and then. You know, you're not looking for a promotion and you're looking for clients, you know, and you're looking for referrals. And so all of these things you're looking for when you're working for yourself are just like new areas, but they're not necessarily like just for entrepreneurs because a lot of, there's a lot of content that serves entrepreneurs. It's a mix. It's like work-life integration. It's how to build your business. It's how to manage your time, how to be happy. It was like all of those things that I was looking for. So I started the podcast because I'm a content person. And one of my first projects actually working for myself was executive producing a podcast for People Magazine. So I already knew, you know, I know how to write and tell stories. I was an executive producer at Us Weekly. I was a marketing at Netflix. So I know how to tell stories. And so what I decided is each show, each episode is going to be the story of a mom who's doing something different. She's a consultant. She's an entrepreneur. She's a coach, whatever it is, their story and how they got there. And then an expert with tips on how you can do it. So tips like, Financial tips, um, happiness tips like Gretchen Rubin, Rebecca Minkoff brings how to build your business, how big to think about growing your business, consulting tips, how to actually get clients, tools, what tools you should be having. So all all of the things like tactical things of, of what you need because I really think that the thing I was looking for and the thing people ask for and need are the theoretical and mental tips, how to have confidence, how to really find what you want to be doing, how to believe in yourself. And then there's the tactical things, you know? how much money, how to find clients, all that stuff.
0: And I don't love the differentiation so much of the terms hard skills and soft skills. I think it's all just skills, but it seems like you're not just giving one or the other. You're giving the entire spectrum of skills and insight, not just from yourself, but from your guests. And not only that, you're not prescribing and saying, you must do this or you should do this. You're kind of coming at it from an angle of, Here are all your options, and this week we've got another great option for you. It's the story of so-and-so and and how they insert here, and that that's just much more accessible, approachable than here's my advice this week on this one thing.
1: Exactly, because it's – I think the springboard and the idea for the show was my own personal experience, but the truth is it's about all these people who are living this and finding – flexibility and fulfillment. That's what I'm seeing. We're, you know, a few months into the show and I'm getting so many messages. People are like, I found this so helpful. Thank you for telling me so-and-so story. And it's really meant to be a resource. It's like a guide and you get to pick your own adventure. Like I don't get to tell you if you should be an entrepreneur or a part-time worker. That's for you, but it's it helps you ask those right questions because I'm like, I'm so appreciative that I just ask those questions to myself because I feel... I personally am just in a better place. I always ask my guests on the show, how do you prioritize your life? Like what's your goals? Not your career goals, what's your life goals? And for me, it was to have control and to have a little bit more time with my kids and unstructured time. Like I wanted to be able to, if it was a Tuesday and I didn't have a lot of meetings, I wanted to be able to take my son to swim or take my daughter to get a muffin. And I didn't want to have to like lie to a boss and say I was at the doctor. That was like my life goal is to have more control and to spend more time with my kids. That doesn't mean I want to be a stay-at-home mom, that that's not the right fit for me personally. But a lot of it is just like identifying how you want your life to be. And the stories run the gamut. Like there's one person, she went from like pregnant and unemployed to being a six-figure Instagram coach. The expert in that episode is how to build your consulting business and how to really find clients and how to how to monetize your knowledge. And another one was like a Today Show producer who flamed out at a startup, was super low, feeling super depressed, like happened to grow a video business because she was feeling too low to even apply for jobs she's five years into it and she's having like, the best time. And the expert with her is a financial expert. So each one has shows different paths. And then one episode is about part-time work. And I've gotten such an amazing response from all these people really interested in part-time work, three-day week projects, flex work, project-based work. And so I thought that was really interesting to me because it exists. It's out there. It's not necessarily super easy to find, but if you do find it, it's like... Oh that's cool and there's companies like Mom Project and New Work flex jobs they're out there and there're companies that'll do it for you. So I think there's just a lot of really interesting opportunities out there and I know because people are telling me they're looking for them.
0: Now I know you did a survey. Can you describe that a little bit like what was the surveying like and what were the results like?
1: Sure. So the survey, we surveyed uh, moms coast to coast about what their pain points were with work and work-life balance. And what we found, one of the questions we asked, because this is really focusing on kind of thriving without the nine to five. I like to say, mom's exit interview is for moms to thrive without the nine to five. So we asked them, would you quit? Or if you immediately they already left. So would you leave full-time to pursue something else? Being entrepreneurship, consulting, part-time work. 65% of them said yes. So that was a light bulb, realizing this is not just me in my little apartment thinking about this. Like this is a real thing that people are feeling. And as a part of that survey, we, you know, we ask them what they're looking for, what questions they have. And so we're really listening to the listeners. Listening to the listeners. That's a great phrase. (laughs) We're really gathering information from people to say, what are you struggling with and how can we help you? How can this be a resource for you? So I thought that survey was very eye-opening just to know that because I think that so much of America is built off of this idea of like everyone going to an office or not going to an office, but working for a company, answering to a boss, having peers and having that sort of uh, hierarchical organizational structure on some PowerPoint deck. But a lot of people are interested in other ways to work and you see it not just for moms, you're seeing it for millennials, you're seeing it for Gen Z. I think this idea of Answering to someone and there being a path by which someone tells you you could be a managing or a director or an executive director or teacher, assistant principal, principal, whatever it is in your field, there's lots of other ways to do that. And I think there's a lot of interest in that, both for moms, but also just in general. I mean, I have a lot of people being like, What about dads? What about millennials? I'm like, this show is for all of you. This show is for anyone who wants to thrive without the nine to five. It's really exciting, honestly. I've I've just gotten such positive feedback that. People feel inspired and then they also feel like the tips are helpful. And you know, we talked about my news background. I feel like news you can use. If you go to the podcast and you have a couple of sound bites that you took with you and you have some tips, and, and we've a newsletter because of course, I'm a content person and I'm a news person. so we've a newsletter that offers tips and takeaways from each show because I really do want it to be helpful. So that was always like the undercurrent of it is I want it to be a resource. I really want it to be a resource for people.
0: As somebody's listening right now and they're starting to kind of have maybe some seeds planted and, and, you know, long term it'll blossom into something in their mind and, you know, consider other options. How would you say to somebody right now that's starting down this process of, you know, I've been a little uneasy or, you know, or I've been way uneasy wherever they are on the, the spectrum, or maybe they're completely happy, but how do they take stock of where they're at career wise right now in their current situation and what they should be doing in? Honestly, the inevitability that they will be changing to something else because that's the climate, not just immediate, but long-term that we live in.
1: Absolutely. I love this question. That's a great question. The very first thing I think everyone should do is identify your priorities. If you don't know what you either want or don't want, you're just going to flail from one job to the next job and always feel a little bit dissatisfied. So the priorities can be, I want to work less. That's perfectly acceptable thing to say. It can be, I want to spend more time with my children. It can be, I want to make more money. It can be, I want to work for a mission-driven company. All of those things are completely acceptable and awesome. But you need to be clear on that because I think the one thing that I've learned from myself, but also from this podcast, people who have clarity end up happier because they understand what they're working towards. So even on my worst day... Maybe something got messed up and I was like really disappointed or I had a big pitch and I didn't get it. I think the next day I'm like, I chose this path. I could take a full-time job. I'm choosing this path of self-employment because it's serving me. And on a grand scale, when I look at each year or each season, I am happy. I am living up to the goals that I set for myself. I'm getting really nice on structure time with my children. And I'm working on projects I'm really proud of. And by the way, I got two awards this year while working for myself. I've never gotten an award when I was working at any of those companies, you know? So I happened to be getting like good accolades, even though I shifted away from expecting those accolades. That was like not even a humble brag. That was just a brag. (laughs) But I think it's really important to identify your priorities. And uh, we had Gretchen Rubin, the happiness expert on the show, and she said something so sharp. She said, do not complain about vague burnout. Don't say, I feel burnt out. You have to identify what's causing you burnout. Did a lot of people quit and you're taking on their work? Are you trying to work for a mission-driven company and you're not and so you're feeling frustrated? Figure out what that is. Otherwise, you're just gonna quit your job, but you're not gonna have a plan and then you're gonna feel low. So the goal is to figure out what it really is that you're working towards because then there's like those steps. Once you know what you want, there are those steps to get there. So if you're like, I wanna make more money. Okay, well, look for a job with more money. Think about the different opportunities that are higher paying or whatever. You want more time with your kids? See if you can work from home one day a week at your current company or work for yourself. See if you could work part-time three days a week or be a consultant, but choose to only do three days a week or four days a week consulting. And then I think the next step is figuring out how your skills apply in different ways. So you had mentioned it before, we have hard skills and we have soft skills. So whether you're an accountant or a marketer or a social media manager or a physical therapist, you have those skills that you learn in school or certificate or degree. And so you figure out how those apply to the new economy. So you're working with small businesses or medium-sized businesses and they can be clients or you could be a coach or figure out like, what do I have to offer that other people need? And then there's like the soft skills. If you're an extrovert, you should tap into that. You know, if you have sales skills, you should be doing business development. You should make that like be a part of your business. If you're an introvert, you should think about how that might impact what you want because I know some people, they hate sales, right? But maybe then What you can be doing is taking just a few client projects a year. And then that way you're not really chasing clients all the time. You have like a consistent, you know, project based work or consistent consulting based work. So really be aware of what you like, what you don't like and how your skills transfer. And then like my biggest tip after that is network. Everyone hates networking. The concept of networking makes people throw up or put that little green vomit emoji on their phone, but networking doesn't have to be, you know, sticky name tags in a gray conference room, talking to people you don't know over sad Sauvignon Blanc. It can be anything. Having lunch with a friend, taking a walk with a former colleague, just telling people what you're doing, like that's networking, you know, email people, you know, I think a lot of people are shy about sharing what they're doing. They just feel self-conscious about it. But you have to remember that your network likes you and supports you. And if they don't find a different network, <laughs> So <laughs> your friends and your family and your former colleagues, like They like you and you know if they like you. When you post things on social media or you email them, I promise Mm -hmm. you so many of the responses are going to be good for you. That's awesome. How can I help? And you really have to be clear in your ask what you want from people. I've gotten emails from people and they've said, I was just laid off from company X. I'm going to try to launch my own company. I'm really focused on this. If you have one, two, or three, if you can help me, here are the three ways in which you can help me. That's a brilliant thing to do. So I think a lot of people kind of networking is like a bad word or a bad name, has a bad reputation, but it just means connecting with people and being really clear on your ask.
0: Yeah. Networking is just relationships. And and one of the things that I've learned is that the best time to network is when you don't need to ask for favors. Yes. Just check in on people. Just literally find out where their preferred communication method of choice is and have your list of people per channel. Don't do this all at once, make it easy, but go to one channel and just say, okay, the seven people I know that this is their preferred channel, I'm gonna shoot them a DM right now. Could even be the same DM because they're not gonna know. They're mm-hmm. not gonna talk. Hey, I just heard <laughs> from I heard from Eric and he just said, hey, what's up? Hope you're doing the, the hey, mine's worded the exact same way. What did you do, mail merge us? No, there's no worries there. And I'm speaking from experience. This is something I've done in times Ideally, when I'm not feeling guilty about not staying in contact, but kickstarting it back up again if I have let it slide.
1: I totally agree with you. And I'm an extrovert. So people would be like, you must love networking. No, no, I hate networking. You bring me to like a party where you're supposed to be schmoozing and without wine, I'm like, oh, I hate this. But what I do like is I like reconnecting with people that I know, people that I've worked with. I do like that. I like catching up. I like seeing what they're up to. Those are the connections that have been like led to clients. So my first big client when I worked for myself, I was just catching up with someone. I would say he's now like a first degree contact, but he was a second degree contact like five years ago. And he and I have had lunch once a year or something. He said, and a lot of people do this when they meet with people, how can I help you? I've now taken that and use that for other people. And he was like, how can I help you? I was like, oh, well, I'm starting my own business and I'm looking to consult if you know anyone. He looped me in and that's how I got my first big client. And I was doing three day a week consulting for People Magazine. I mean- That's how it happened. A lunch with someone I knew from the industry. It was not like a networking meeting. It was like we catch up with each other once a year. But he introduced me to someone and that became a big client for a year and a half. And that became the client that made me realize I can do this. I can run my own business. And the other clients has always been incoming by referrals of people I know. So I've been doing a big project for a queer nonprofit called It Gets Better, a friend of a friend. So again, another secondary contact. She said, Oh, I, I saw your website. Uh, can I talk to you about maybe pitching on this project? And I'm like, they're really going to hire me. Uh, maybe. Okay. She brought me into pitch and I got the pitch. And then we did this four part series and I won an award for it. And now we're on a second huge project together. And I think that I really wasn't like networking. Like this is someone we three of us went to a lunch together and yeah, we talk work at lunch, but it's, I don't think of it as networking. And so. It was a good reminder to me that like all of my clients have been incoming. It's because I'm talking to people. It's because I'm extroverted. I do tell people I post a lot on social media on my LinkedIn. I always post what I'm doing projects when they post, especially if I win an award, but like my podcast, you know, I'm posting that all the time on LinkedIn. I want people to know this is a thing I'm working on. This is a thing I'm doing. Finish a video project. I post about it. And even if people don't respond, you say, you know what? People are seeing what I'm up to. They know I'm alive they know I'm here. You never know. You know, I, post, I posted a video from my time at Netflix. By the time it ran, I was not at Netflix. I was working for myself. A lawyer I knew from many years ago reached out. He's like, oh, I'm actually looking for someone to help me with video. Do you want to have a meeting? And then he hired me for a video consulting project. Someone I hadn't talked to in like seven years. So you don't know where your clients and your business is going to come from. And if you're not putting yourself out there, you're doing yourself a disservice to the people you want to help. And one of the people I had on, I thought had a really interesting point of, she's a life coach named Heather Chauvin and she's from Canada. She said, think of selling as service. Think of you're helping people. And if you're not putting yourself out there, you're only harming those people because you're not helping them transform their business.
0: Oh, wow, that's so good. Right? Yeah.
1: It's a great tip. That's a great tip from the show. You know, those are the sort of the things that on the show, I walk away. Like I take bullet points when I interview people because I'm learning a lot about how to have a business, how to find fulfillment in your life. And these are all really solid tips. I'm like, oh, part of my business, I do video strategy for companies. I also do on-camera coaching. A lot of people feel weird being on camera. They just like the video camera light turns on and they freeze and they feel like it's stealing their soul. And I try to remind them, whatever you're talking about, it's because you're trying to teach someone you're trying to teach them about marketing, phys ed, beauty, whatever it is. Don't think about people looking back at you and judging you. Think about what you love talking about and that you're teaching people. And I do think that unlocks a little bit for people when you're thinking about telling people what you're doing, networking with people. In theory, if you believe what you're doing is helping someone, that's good.
0: Well, and again, one of the things that I'm taking away from what you said was you have this lunch with somebody every year or six months And I think, oh, wait, it's contextual. It doesn't have to be, you know, weekly, monthly, quarterly. It's whatever the frequency, like with all the things we've talked about in this conversation, there is no one size fits all silver bullet kind of mentality here. It's whatever's right in that situation, that relationship, that scenario. And you have many options. So lower the pressure on yourself guilt-wise and say what is manageable and start take a look and have greater awareness.
1: And one of the things like Rebecca Minkoff, the designer, entrepreneur, female founder, collective founder, she is obviously has an incredibly successful business of handbags and clothing. One of her biggest tips about networking was don't ask someone questions you can Google about them. Ask people the one thing that would transform your business if you get time with someone that you really want to talk to and always ask what you can do for them. She's like, even in a situation where you don't feel like you can help them, Send them flowers, send them cookies. Cause I feel that way. I'm like, how can I help Rebecca make off? She's a big successful person. I just like sent her a nice thank you in the mail. And you know what? Everybody loves that. Everybody loves cookies. Everybody loves flowers. Unless you're like gluten free, then don't send cookies, but or send gluten free cookies.
0: My wife and my daughter are gluten free and they've found actually some amazing cookies back in my hometown. So i uh, going to say, don't shy away from the cookies.
1: Are they made from almond flour.
0: You know what? I don't know. I am assuming there may, well, I know they're gluten-free. That's all I know. Yeah. <laughs> and they were amazing. I couldn't tell personally.
1: What's the hometown?
0: Rochester, New York.
1: no. Oh, okay. We'll talk Rochester later. I'm a friend from there. Awesome. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just thought that was really, that was really savvy because a lot of us feel like there's this power dynamic where we're networking. We don't really know. You know what? I thought the idea of a thank you card or something in the mail can be something you're quote unquote doing for them. Because I think when you feel like you're on the lower side of a power dynamic, you can't give anything. But sometimes also, if you have a social network and someone posts something and you're just even helping to promote them, that's helpful. And like, do think about what you can give. And I think all of that just like comes around. And I think the important part of like inbound referrals and things like that is you forget. But if you've been good to people and if you've been nice to people and if you've been helpful to people in the past, it might not be one to one, like that person you helped isn't necessarily gonna be the person who helps you, but that good karma comes around, you know, and and just getting to know people and trying to help other people, other people are gonna to try to help you. And once you start your business, then that starts growing because word of mouth is a very, very powerful tool. So so many of the people I have on the show, I say, How do you find clients? And they say, So much of it is word of mouth. Some of it is social media, but like it's all worm leads, it's almost all word of mouth.
0: Yeah, totally. And that's what I found too. So I mean, you're just getting started with the show. What's great is people could right now go and grab all the episodes. I think there's what, six, seven, something around yeah. there at the time of this recording. So you could literally go grab all the episodes, get caught up, not feel like you're missing out as the nature of digital content, right? But uh, where can people go to jump in on finding out more about what you do with video and coaching, but also the Mom's Exit interview podcast?
1: Thank you so much. So the podcast is Mom's Exit Interview. So you can go wherever you get your podcasts, but there's also a website called momsexitinterview.com and you can learn about the show and you can give us feedback. If you have questions, I read those. I'll ask your questions on air to the experts. That site also hosts my professional site, kimritberg.com. (laughs) R-I-T-T-B-E-R-G. And I do video strategy. I help professionals be better on camera and figure out what they should be doing to promote their business. I do on-camera coaching and video strategy and video production. So thank you very much. This has been such a great chat. I love your show and I'm so honored to be on it. Awesome.
0: Kim, thank you so much. Glad to have another podcast to add to the mix because I'm a little picky when I add podcast. But this is one where I think I've got to broaden my horizons. I don't love adding in lots of air quotes business podcasts, but this is definitely one of them. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Well, that's another podcast crossed off your listening to do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Kim Ritberg. And I hope you got something out of it in terms of work-life balance and career advancement and flexibility and creating your own path and learning from others' examples like Kim. Make sure to check out her show. Again, it's the Mom's Exit Interview. I'll link up to that in the show notes. If you enjoyed this conversation, I would love for you to share it with somebody that you know needs to hear it. Hit that share button in your podcast player app of choice or hit the share button over on the show notes also, don't forget that you can get short cast episodes that are about seven to ten minutes in length of past episodes of this show over at Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. You can find that at com slash Blinkist. Thanks for checking that out. Thanks for sharing this episode. Thanks for listening to this episode. And I will see you next week.